call me by your name and I'll call you by mine. That's the actual quote and not the one I butchered in the episode. In our second entry in the Oscars 2018 series, we talk about how this film relates to stealing beauty and get close and personal about sexuality and peaches. Hello guys. Hello. Hi. How's life? Yeah, good. Life uh, is good. I've, I've had a v- massive visual change. Yes, Adam has new glasses. Yeah, I might post this. It's rare we ever put selfies of ourselves on the Instagram page, but I, prob- I might do it next week. I found out that uh, I just picked these glasses because I wanted a major change in like the frame style. And uh, turns out they're very similar to James Dean glasses from the, some of the photo shoots. I'm like, oh, great. I've picked another set of James Dean glasses. Of course they are. So if you Google James Dean coffee table, essentially, it's him having breakfast. And those glasses are very similar to the ones I have. Of course. <laughs> of course, because I I shared the birthday with James Dean. <laughs> it's actually a nice little link to the film that we're about to talk about too. Mm. It's like teenage angst and mm-hmm. freaking out when you're young. So today is all about Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Starring. Oh, of course. <laughs> Army Hammer, Timothy Chalamet, Michael Stuhlbarg, Amira Kassar and Esther Garel. Mm. I probably butchered all of those names. <laughs> so um, starting with an eratum, I said in a previous episode that Oliver was 25 and Elio was 14. Uh, Elio is 17 in this. So whatever the age, Elio is still not legal. So I very well see the conservative uh, point here. And I must say it's a point that bugged me uh, before going in. Because some of the people who see this movie as wonderful also think it was fine for Roman Polanski to drug a 14-year-old and have sex with her. Now, leaving that behind and giving all the chances in the world to this film, because that's what we do here, watching it and right after, I had a familiar sentiment, a feeling I saw the film before, and I googled one thing afterwards, it was Stealing Beauty, Call Me By Your Name. Um, Turns out the director, Luca Guadagnino, And Bernardo Bertolucci, who directed um, Stealing Beauty, mutually admire each other. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. definitely. The the first person to watch uh, all of uh, Luca's um, rough cuts is Bernardo Bertolucci. Wow, okay. Yeah, also the article I've read, which explains all of this, um, also uh, talks about how many critics uh, paralleled Call Me By Your Name with Stealing Beauty. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I can (laughs) certainly see why. Um, Also, I must say... I wouldn't I don't think I would have appreciated this movie if Stealing Beauty had not been in the top three of my most influential movies of all time. Seriously. Ah uh, yeah. Is that just because I love Tyler or for other reasons? Well, see <laughs> Jan is much more intelligent than that. Well yeah, no, Jan's like I like I love Lost Tyler. Why not? Um, see, I, I don't like being told what to think, mm-hmm. especially okay. aggressively and without arguments making sense. I'm told to find this film to be a wonderful love story because it's progressive and new to portray a gay love story, or even better, it would be anti-Semitic not to love this story. Fuck this. I like this movie because it reminded me of Stealing Beauty. It has the same vibe, the same eerie je ne sais quoi. It's a good <laughs> movie. Again, like Black Panther, this one is not going to do jack shit for gay rights. It's a nice piece of art, which I hope will influence youngsters, just like Selling Beauty influenced me. So how did it influence me, and why did I make you suffer four hours of slow movies? Because <laughs> because we watched Selling Beauty, and a few hours later, we, we watched Call Me By Your Name. That was a long day. I fell in love with Liv Tyler instantly. 
when I saw this movie when it was released mm. in 1996, and it screwed uh, with my studies. I was like madly in love, oh, and wow. if I'm being honest, I probably was in love with Lucy, which is mm. a fictional character. Ah, okay. Um, this film made me a hopeless romantic. How old were you? Uh, 17. Okay, so young. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And at that impressionable age, I don't know. Yeah, especially when you see something like that. I, I was madly in love at 17 mm. in my first relationship. With a f- oh, with yeah, you? Yeah, in my first relationship. And um, did you just say with you? No, not with me. We didn't know each other. <laughs> we hadn't met yet. No, I said, did, was it a fictional character as well? No, no, no. It was a real person. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I had a... Did I ever have like a massive crush on a fictional character? I mean, everyone does. Yeah, I'd have to think about it. Like, what was the yeah. first one? But um, to go back, I've got uh, to you. In the last episode, we mentioned that Anouk's mom bought me two books um, to help us with this podcast. Uh, and when Jan said anti-Semitic, I immediately went to the book. Uh, the book I am referring to is the Oxford Dis- Dictionary of World History. So I'll I'll just read you the ent- the end entry of um, anti-Semitism. Uh, that's cool because it also applies to Arabs. Yeah, that's what I was. Uh, yes. Yeah. uh, The entry starts, hostility towards and discrimination against Jewish people, although there are other Semitic peoples, notably Arabs and uh, Arabs anti-Semites, is only used to refer to the prejudice against Jewish people. The entry then goes to talk on about where it uh, originates, the 19th century, early 20th century, talks about the Second World War. And then ends with the note, there is some evidence that anti-Semitism has increased in the 21st century, notably in the Arab world. The rest of the entry is mostly about the the Hitler Youth and Soviet Russia uh, and after the Second World War. But that's quite interesting to think because I know it's Italy and it's not Eastern Europe, but Central Europe is not that far off from Eastern Europe. No, and and Italy has this very strong religious centre and I mean, it might be a stereotype to think Italians are very religious, but there are, I mean, we know we studied with Italians um, mm. who were brought up in Italy and they are um, gay. And they said that it was really hard and it was like they had to keep it secret and all this stuff. And I don't know, I've never, I've never had that feeling that, but obviously because I'm not gay, that, that there's been this like fear around mm. me. No. Um, and so I, I wasn't really brought up with that fear. So maybe watching this film was quite different to me because I saw it as something very normal. And the age, and maybe it's it's a, a kind of hats off to the director because it wasn't like in your face. Like, do you have a problem with this? And I'm trying to be progressive. And this is a gay couple that has like, you know, years between them and blah, blah, blah. It wasn't like that. It was just two people that were in love. Well, we're aware that the it's a book, right? Yeah. Yeah, Well, yes. The the book came out in 2007 by Mm -hmm. an American writer, Andre Ichiman, I'm going to say, A-C-I-M-A-N, Ichiman. Yeah, isn't there like an accent, something on the Andre has an accent at the end of Andre. And the age is the same in the the book. It's 17 and 24. Uh, Now, I had the feeling... Uh, because yeah, we we are all aware that male and females are not the same uh, here. So I had a feeling that Stealing Beauty was more about romance. Uh, I feel like here there was way way more desire than there was mm, in the, definitely. So I don't know if it's playing on stereotypes or whatever. Like females are looking for love and males for lust. I don't even think it's that. I think it's to do with um, 
that the naivety of being young and desiring something like i'm sure we all remember like having mad crushes on on men or women you know when you're younger and you have that it's like always there and if they do like one little thing you're like oh it's amazing so sort of like you follow along almost like a, a deer in head not, not a deer in headlight it's a terrible analogy um like a like a little puppy yeah, because it's so new and it's 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 an amazing feeling. I mean, anyone will tell you that being in love is just something that feels amazing, mm. especially in the first few months. Yeah, of course. And they only knew each other for two months, right? A few months. I think the finding of love is um, always the, the very not not necessarily slow, but it's a long it's a long period. Like you you, you take a long time. Like I know for a fact when I was just not deciding, like beginning to fall in love with you. Um, there was a lot of like in my head going, do I? Like you question yourself. You constantly ask yourself in your own head, like what are these feelings? You try and understand it before you act on them. And I feel like that's what this film is. Yeah. A lot of the runtime is him figuring out where he stands. I mean, he had sex with the, uh, is it, it's not Marcia, is it? The girl? The Marcia? girl. Marta? Marta or something. Yeah. Marcia. Marcia. There is, yeah. Yeah, they have I sex. I'm not sure. I'm sure they have sex in the film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so. And I think it was. Uh, it's, a dis- it's discovering himself. I think it's. it seemed like it was implying that she lost her virginity to him and he, uh, he to her. Mm-hmm. Like the, that was like a very virginal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> and it but, looked painful and, and, and awkward. And I am think, I doing it right? And it seemed like he also, <laughs> um, he also, it, it like it, it finished quickly. I yeah. think that's why he was mm. apologizing. Wait, yeah, 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 yeah. And which yeah. is funny because he also deflowers the protagonist in Lady Bird. That's the same Timothy Chalamet. Really? Yes. And the guy <laughs> playing the father here has a key role in The Shape of Water also. Bloody oh, hell. That's, that's the, the trifecta of Oscar the, the Oscars. The yes, father yes. was very good, actually. Mm. It oh. was a move. Uh, it was a book. And so that's why they actually won the best adapted screenplay. Uh, um, yeah. mm-hmm. They won that at the BAFTAs, I know. Did they win it at the Oscars? Oscars, well? yes. Did they win it as well? Okay. Yes. I think there was definitely a, a stereotypical thing um, with Stealing Beauty because it was obsessed with her virginity. And I don't think that it was a sexist thing, like not at all. Um, but it was just like, there is definitely an obsession with society and, and women's virginity and like losing it and hymens and all this kind of stuff and how important it is. And it, it and why is it important for a woman? And why is it, you know, and actually some men do find it really difficult to lose it as well. And some women didn't have a problem with losing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's like well, uh, there's even some men that just uh, oh you're a virgin yeah goodbye oh like yeah yeah, no, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah horrible I think yeah you're right. There's a very societal shift if you're over the age of like seventeen eighteen and you haven't lost it. There's almost like mm. I know I felt early early twenties. I didn't. I, Ugh, this is awkward when my parents listen to this, but like I, I would let's say a late bloomer, right? I, I wasn't in my in my teenage end of my teenage years, right? Um, and I definitely felt there was like a pressure from even on me, like is there something wrong with me that yeah. this isn't happening? Especially um, being a guy, I'm sure that yeah, of course, um, there's an extra pressure. Um, but I remember there was, I mean, I went to an all girls school in London, so I had massive pressure to lose my, I remember just talking about it for ages. Like it was just this massive thing. And when you did, it was something that you had to be proud of. And I feel like that was definitely talked about in Stealing Beauty and at the thought of virginity and something that wasn't at all touched upon in Call Me By Your Name. 
No, that was a different story. It was more. Yeah. It was more about the. I don't know. What would you? I'm trying to think of the right words. Um. Uh. I don't know. Finding love. I guess is that the right way to say it. Yeah, I think also just finding yourself. Like mm. he found out he was gay. Yeah. And I don't think that he knew. And I also don't think that he's bisexual just because he had a relationship with Marzia, which I thought was a it must have been a very clever editing script uh, directorial th- uh, discussion. Because, Do you want to name any other departments of the film? Yeah, I probably should. <laughs> um, no, no, no I, I totally agree with you. Um, no, that was a joke. Just because you're like the editing, the script, the directing. Like, well, no, you I the sound makeup department as well. No, no, no. I'm just saying that um, I, I should probably name them, but the way that they showed it, it was very. I don't want to say forced, but it, it, there was something that wasn't the same as him with Oliver. Yeah, untrue. Yeah, so it wasn't. It wasn't like he was like trying to find himself and tell himself he was straight, sort of thing. No, yeah, it it it, it felt like this was probably something that he should do mm. or tr- to try and get away from him being actually gay. It wasn't. It didn't feel like you know. You know, I'm into women. And I'm also into, it didn't feel like that at all. It was like, I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Mm. You know, in terms of losing virginity, so just follow along, it, it's going somewhere, I promise. Uh, <laughs> the, the funny thing is, just like I said, uh, it would be counterproductive in the, in the Black Panther episode, it would be counterproductive for me to be um, racist because I've got Senegalese blood in my veins. <laughs> it would be counterproductive for me to be homophobic or homophobic, not like gay guys, because the very first time I had sex was at 23 and it was not with a woman. Ah, really? That was not necessarily a good experience, but one which allowed me to know uh, that was not for me. Ah, yeah, okay. that's very interesting. The more you know. Yeah, that's very interesting. And that's very, that must be very uncommon. I mean, I don't know, but I've no, I've no, I've, I've, I don't, I don't know that's true, actually. I think you can have a sexual experience with somebody and uh, just know, if you, even if it's your first time, know that that's not for you. No, I don't know no, if it's that, uncommon, but... Um, that's not what I meant. I, me- oh, I, I, I just meant that d- that probably doesn't happen or it's not talked about, at least. Mm. That someone goes to has sex the first time with someone and then realises that they're not. Yeah, it's Even almost, though I'm sure, actually, quite a lot of gay and bisexual people do go through that. Yeah, no, it's, it's like the idea of, like... Um, I had an idea then. It's completely gone in my head. Um, it's Yeah, I've got it back. Uh, <laughs> the fact that you're meant to know before you do something. It's like, how could you know something so fundamental about yourself until you do something about it's very it? True. You know? Yeah, and there's this repressed thing. Mm. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're unsure, you, but you have sex with girls because that's the... The thing to do, the, yeah. The, yeah, the what's culturally ex- appropriate almost, thing yeah, to do. It's almost what's expected of you if you're a guy. You, that's what you're brought up to believe, yeah. almost. Like yeah. there's a very secretive thing about growing up as a gay person, and that's been portrayed through all types of um, culture, books, plays, poems, yeah, songs, I, I, all these, all of them have. I think it's it, 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 it even as bad as it's normalised, so people don't even think about the fact that they say you know oh i lost my virginity and then you immediately think oh it must have been to this and uh, the opposite, the opposite sex. sex correct um and the person and, and the type of uh the type of person type of person type of person uh i'm gender, triggered the ge- oh yes oh, apologies this is probably very trigger actually no English. person would work person uh person christmas that your person <laughs> christmas exactly um where yeah it's just not talked about so that's that's very interesting, and actually, that's that's I, I understand that you shouldn't like a film just because it's trying to like break barriers and stuff. No. It's a bad film. It's a bad film, right? Um, but 
the um it's nice to know that this is what people are talking about and it's getting like a huge backing you know like there but apparently there were 20 different groups of people that produced this film wow so that's a lot of support from people that wanted to make this film happen or people desperate to get it off the ground people wanted it to be seen that's the other that's the other thing you can interpret it from uh, lots of production companies that you want to make this film but you need the help and they're like yeah "Yeah, we'll help you Um, speaking of the film, it's got the most interesting opening credits I've seen in a long time. It reminded me of like early Disney. You remember like Dumbo and stuff where they would show, or even any early 40s, 50s movies, where they, they would show the credits at the beginning of the movie as opposed to the yes. end. Yes. And we had the whole, we had a whole opening with uh, pictures of sculptures in the background, which I thought, ah, I haven't seen this for a while. That's very true. Yeah, yeah just yeah. like the end credits also. I've, I've never seen that before. Well, we, yeah, we'll get Yeah, we'll get that. We'll yeah, get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, indeed. I nev- I didn't notice first time I saw it, but yesterday I, I indeed noticed the, the, the opening credits. Yeah, that was uh, different for sure. I also mm. like the whole art design of it as well. Um, you know, the graphics for the, the production team. Um, yeah, and I mean, the, the decision to, to have the pictures of the statues in the beginning, that b- kind of shows importance. Right, so so that seems like a homage to Stealing Beauty. Yeah, that's what I immediately thought because we'd watched them back to back. Yes, I also no- noticed in the end credits, both films credit their sculptures. Uh, it's first in Stealing Beauty. I don't know for a fact if it's first in. It might be in the, even in the opening credits of. Probably, I yes, think it is in the opening. That's when credits. we see them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, and obviously there's statue. There's a statue later on in the in the film where they find it at the, the bottom of this lake. Um, you know, they credit the sculptures. I was thinking that when we watched Star- Stealing Beauty, I'm like, who did these? And I'm like, oh, there he is. Because mm. sculpting is not easy. Sculpting has got to be like one of the hardest art forms. It takes like years as well because there are so many different things that you have to master, like it's woodwork like, yeah. and chainsaws. And yeah, there were bronze here, but it was wood. It was then, wood in the uh, instant yeah, beauty. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing I've always admired about sculpting because um, it's one of the few. I know there aren't many, there are others that it's like permanent. Like you, if you f- make a mistake, you got to start again. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I know with painting you can, or maybe you paint over it, but a lot of people would start again, but you know. Well, my mum sculpts. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, with uh, old techniques like lost wax uh, technique and when she started bronze. So basically you do a mold in the clay mm. or something, like you make it sure it's, uh, I don't remember exactly, but that it's actually solid. Then you cast uh, something or the same um, material used to, um, you know, the... To have the the their arms fixed. Okay. I don't know plaster. Cast. Plast, no cast. Yeah, the same kind of material. Oh, the things you get for your if you have a human cast. Yeah, like okay. you break your, like a. Is that plaster? No. Pla- yeah. It could yeah. be plaster. Plaster. Okay. And then the bronze is um, poured into the thingy, and it's uh, and you've got numbering and everything. So okay. yeah, it's uh, quite. It's, yeah, it's uh, a very yeah, fine, she, finite. And that's very expensive uh, to mm. actually. Yeah, because you have to. There are some special places where you hence, get those. Hence why sculptors are sculptor. Scu- hence why statues are so expensive. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this one, the one that f- was found in the lake, was empty. Mm. So different. It differs on the techniques because some are um, completely like filled, mm. which is <laughs> very very heavy. Then. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, I think I see. Yeah, so there's the um, the model, clay model, mm. and then there is the thingy. And so the, the um, 
actual bronze uh, material actually goes into the thin layer to actually create the so that's yeah that's always okay. yeah that makes sense uh, anyway in movies there's something i always find funny and it happened here it always almost happens but um you know the fact that the name of the film is actually said once I call me by your name and I call you by yours. I always find, I don't know if it's a rule or something, because most of the times, uh, there are only like a few times I can count where it doesn't happen, where the actual title of the movie is said by one character at some point. Yeah, um, that's, true. that's true. It gives you a little bit of a like thrill whenever you hear the, the title. You're like, oh, that's what the movie's called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, like song song titles are usually never well the best some of the best ones are aren't said but a lot of them are like chorus lines you know yeah 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 it's yeah. always why i i always try and find working titles for songs because they're always like the working title is always a bit more interesting because they're like wow that's that's where they started and then they got to where they did yeah well, and it's it's also usually about the song and yeah. what the the subject rather than what it, they actually say Mm. So rewatching both Stealing Beauty and Call Me By Your Name, I did a list of similarities. So that's yeah. why I said to you afterwards, well, it, it just both, um, mainly the same movie. Well, not exactly. <laughs> uh, they both have an American stranger coming from the outside. Yeah. Uh, it's on the countryside, small town. Mm -hmm. mm. The newcomer is working with the dad of the family. Yeah. Uh, seamless use of Italian, English, and French. Mm. Way more French in, in uh, Call Me By Your Name, though. <laughs> Elio struggling to sleep in bed, just like uh, Lucy at some point. That's true. Like, it's like uh, crazy. Uh, slow paced, yep. nothing really happens. Um, disturbed masturbation, mm -hmm. which I never really noticed in Stealing Beauty, but watching it yesterday and with all those years of... Uh, Experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I never noticed it before uh, mm. today. There's a swimming pool <laughs> and stuff happening in the Hotel. swimming pool. That's really what I'm jealous about Europeans, man. Is Scotland, there's no way you could have a swimming pool. Mm. You'd, it'd, be, it'd be ice and uh, you'd, there'd be cans of tennis lager in it and you'd, it'd be just leave everything. Just, it'd just be a mess. You just couldn't have one. You'd have, you'd have to have an indoor kind of heated pool. <laughs> the protagonist is an artist. Lucy writes poetry while Elio writes uh, and does music. Yes. He transposed music. Um, Describes. Subs transcribes music, yeah. She mm. Extensive use of uh, guitar and classical music. Yeah. The protagonist is seeing the object of his or her desire interested in someone else. Yeah. A tiny bit of German. It's true. Uh, oh, yeah. Arguments in Italian around the table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lucy is always wondering where Nicolo is when Elio is always looking for Oliver. Uh, it drags a long time, but if you think about it, wouldn't you take your time in that situation? Absolutely agree. Yeah. Here's the, here's the big thing, right? Um, instead of saying this is the gripe of the film, which turns out th this is my major gripe, is the phrase we've been looking for for a couple of episodes. Like, what's the, what's the phrase Adam always says? And it is, here's my major gripe, or this is my major gripe. Um, we don't really need to do a plot summary, because Jan just did it there, essentially, of this film. Uh, yeah, and I also think that with quite a lot of our podcasts, you should probably see the films before you listen because there's lots of spoilers, and also you, you, we won't we won't be making any sense if you haven't seen these films. Yeah, so I agree. I think that that's, that should just be a, a known <laughs> from now on that just watch the film before you watch the podcast. Yeah, um, uh, listen. Anyway, the thing is that I thought you think these films are slow. I'm glad we did not review this film on the day of watching both, because we would have had a different critique. Having had time to step away from the both of them, they're exactly the length they need to be. 
there is nothing you want to cut out or you want more or want more of i mean i even said this that you know halfway through we checked uh, we saw that you know there was still like an hour and a half left of call me by your name and just thinking oh my god that like you feel like you've just been living with these people for years and but then looking back like watching the whole thing and looking back what scene would you take out and you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't edit any more of it you needed mm. every single scene mm. and it's it's long and you have to focus on it and you know it it's at times it's tough but i i don't think it's because it's a boring bad film mm. at times it's just because you need to like live in their world it kind of highlighted to me that there are films that exist out there that people you know nowadays with like netflix and dvds uh people like watch them at home so like they've got your phone handy they can do ironing you know do whatever you want this reminded me that there are films you really shouldn't do anything else you need to put everything away. Like being at the cinema. Don't be on your phone. You couldn't be. I feel there's an attention span weakness with people nowadays. And I'm included because I, I felt it when watching Call Me By Your Name because I've watched one film previously. Like I was, I, was, I was exhausted, but I was interested. I think there is a big thing about some films are just... I know there's a term, um, popcorn flick, which is like you can just mindlessly watch it while eating popcorn. Um well, there are those who make money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. I think like this one just made 37 million. Did I check? Oh, For yeah. a change, I'm going to yeah. fact check. We, we have no idea on, I checked on Box Office Mojo, but it might have been something else. But uh, there is no info on the budget in the in the box office mojo uh thingy there must have been loads of like small production companies just starting and like kind of kickstarter style you know just random people giving money you know because um it seemed very indie in the beginning and then just became this big film okay so the budget of call me by your name was 3.5 million us dollar ah okay. uh the box office at the moment 32. is 32.2 million us dollar Okay, I checked something else in. Okay, cool, cool. That's pretty good, though. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's really good. I'll, I might, I don't know if that's domestic or overall. I assume that's overall. What, yeah. what site is that? Because in Box Office Mojo, I don't get those numbers. That's just if you whack it into Google. Yeah, right, right. Um, oh, something I forgot. Uh, both protagonists get high and vomit. Yes, I think they were high. It didn't seem like drunk. Uh, Lucy was, but I'm not sure about Elio. I, 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 I am. Um, yeah, probably. He vomits uh, just before uh, Oliver goes to dance with a lady in front of the church thingy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it just seemed very like a high vibe I got from the whole scene. Like it didn't seem drunk, but... Yeah. From box office mojo, Jan, total domestic as of March 18th, 17 million, 736,560. Oh, what did I check then? Okay. Worldwide, 36 million two hundred forty thousand six hundred six dollars so its foreign market is higher just by its domestic market which makes sense because domestic is only america foreign is everyone else yes yeah. well uh, lo yeah loads of movies are uh, i think uh, dc movies are saved by uh, um worldwide yeah yeah um because they actually do some 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 cash with uh, the dc movies so that's why they continue making them um uh, <laughs> Something I realized, it's just a second back on Sitting Beauty there, because I, I googled that, I wasn't sure, and Nicolo and Osvaldo are brothers. Oh. I never realized that. I didn't realize that either. So that's, there's even another layer. So the, the guy she actually ends up with and the guy she was in love with oh, are really? brothers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> so it, actually that that was one of the interesting things that they you kept on seeing Niccolo with different women in different stages of the film I thought that was really nice <laughs> yeah like every five minutes yeah. what just the, doing okay, okay with someone different and doing something like very artistic and um, see for the YouTube video version of this episode should we like have the screen change like so when we talk about sleeping beauty it's like sleeping beauty <laughs> uh, it's no stealing beauty stealing not beauty. stealing beauty and then yeah, yeah, yeah. like call me by your name so like people are like wait nicola wasn't in this film what's yeah, we'll, going on we'll we'll definitely have to write on the podcast like we're talking about both films here because yeah it'll be an episode on well, maybe not an episode on both but it'll have it'll <laughs> a call me by your name featuring yeah stealing heavily beauty. featuring um, stealing beauty when we were watching well, just one more thing then. Uh, Stealing Beauty, I heard you say, um, Adam, and I agree partly that there were there was a lot of exposition. There was, but meaningless exposition. Because what really was about her trying to find a father, you don't get that. You, you don't really, if you're no. not focused, you really don't understand why. Well, okay, she's asking random questions to people and, the, and that kind of stuff, the identity quest and things. Um, which gets me to the point that both of them have a lot of unsaid things and I actually had to watch so what must be the turning point in call me by your name uh when they are both at the world war one monument right mm. and when he the uh oliver he, elio says a few things and oliver says I, I, am i to understand am i understanding what you're saying or whatever that kind of the discussion i had to watch it three times because i didn't understand or catch right away what was happening here oh mm. uh, yeah it was confession it was and well it wasn't clear to me the first time i must say <laughs> no I, and i and i missed what elio said to make oliver then say uh yeah we yeah. don't talk about these things i i, I missed what the, yes I, I yeah but it seemed that that was the first time that he'd confessed that that i feel yeah fe i have feelings for you yeah i i yeah i got that uh yeah i got that right away but i just checked because i wasn't sure i actually it was actually said and I, I, it's not clearly said probably that's why okay it's oh. just uh you get the yeah you understand the thing but it was a bit unclear to me mm. anyway I, both films uh were a 15 rating or R in America. Yeah, which is probably a bit unfair because you've got loads more flesh and then uh, call me by your name, I, I feel. Mm. Oh my, yes. Um, Stealing Beauty definitely has no issue in showing sex and mm. and, and, and bodies. and it, But it didn't feel disgusting or kind of overly sexualized. It was, it was just, it was very real. Very European. It's to do with... Um, <laughs> the board of certifications in every country because every country has different ratings for example um in america if there's too much sex it raises the rating like sex is more likely to change your rating than violence let's yeah, say vulgar language or, yeah yeah um i'm not sure what exactly the Brit what british standards are but i think it's pretty close i think it's maybe more towards violence over here as opposed to sexual content but you know I think that's the that's the case with a lot of people. I know, for example, um, there's a video game called um, Hostel Two. No, not Hostel Two. Um, Manhunt Two, which is like banned categorically all over the place because it was just too violent. Uh, but this was back in like the PS2 era. Like we've had way more violent games than that probably by now. Um, but mm. you know, you get um, or for example, um, hot, the hot coffee incident from uh, Grand Theft Auto, where there was a mini game locked in the game behind code that they shut off. 
which was to do with like enhancing like it was an end stage to your romancing mini game where it was like a sex scene it was a mini game that you played and somebody just went into the files and turned it on in the game so you could get it and uh that if that was in the game that would make it um an adult game as opposed to just a an 18 or a mature game you know so um Video game stores don't stock. They're most of the published, most mainstream stores do not stock adult games. Biggie 18. Yeah, that's your match you can get. So every four to five years, the BBFC carries out a major public consultation exercise to find out what the public thinks about the age rating of films and videos before they're released. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm, Um, So it's ever changing. So it's ever changing and it depends on society's changes. Um, 15, let me just look up what that means. Okay, then in the meantime, um, no, yeah, no, it, I have it. Oh, so, um, <laughs> but you can no, carry no, It's on. fine, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, go on. So no one younger than 15 may see a 15 film in a cinema. Oh, these 18 is the same. 12A is to an ad, a, a child accompanied by an adult over the age of 12. That's 12, yeah. So it's discrimination. The work as a whole must not endorse discriminatory language or behavior, although there may be racist, homophobic or other discriminatory themes and language. So I'm guessing it can't be like, yeah, we are um, racist. It's like making a, a theme about well, racism. Any any Tarantino movie saying the yeah. N word basically. You can't yeah. you can't say the N word in a twelve probably. Uh, drugs drug taking may be shown, but the work as a whole must not promote or encourage drug misuse. Train spotting. For example, eighteen. For example, through instructional detail. So that's probably with train spotting. They probably heat, weren't yeah. allowed to show exactly what you do mm, with the schematics and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the misuse of easily accessible and highly dangerous substances is unlikely to be acceptable. So like aerosols or solvents as well. Imitable behavior, dangerous behavior, hanging, suicide or self-harming should not dwell on detail, which should, could be copied. Whether depiction of easily accessible weapons is acceptable will depend on factors such as realism, context and setting. There may be strong language. Very strong language may be permitted depending on the manner in which it is used, who is using the language, its frequency within the work as a whole, and any special contextual justification. Nudity. There are no constraints on nudity in a non-sexual or educational context. There may be nudity in a sexual context, but usually without strong detail. Sexual activity may be portrayed, but usually without strong detail. There may be strong verbal references to sexual behavior, but the strongest references are unlikely to be acceptable unless justified by context. Works whose primary purpose is sexual arousal or stimulation are unlikely to be acceptable. Yeah, well, loads of movies are ruined by... They wanted PG-13. Yeah, this uh, is the big thing. Deadpool yeah. was R, so they went all the way without yeah. worrying about... The biggest one I remember as a kid was Dark Knight. The scene in Dark Knight with the why so serious, you know, the, with the knife in the mouth. Ooh. That one scene nearly got that film of 15. Really? In, the, in Britain, for sure, because there was a big debate about it. Like, is this too much? Because I remember seeing it around 12, maybe even young. Hang on, it came out in probably... Batman Begins was 08. And that must have been 2010, so I would have been 14. So just of you know, just under the 15 bracket. Um, that scene is intense. Uh, yeah, and also that's interesting because that's something that I didn't think about. That um, it's how to do something as well. It's not about the f- showing of violence. It's about can someone learn from the behaviour. So it must have been like um, him putting a knife in someone's mouth. So people can learn f- that's how you do it. Well, it's even that, or it's like the reason it will be a, tw- a 12 is because they cut away to the guy. 
you know, you see that in that shot, you see the, the other person's reaction with the other guy getting killed, as opposed to seeing him like pull the knife through and kill him. Mm. You know, it's all to do with what you see as well. Uh, I mean, that's the case. I mean, a lot of stuff get a lot of films are ruined by the fact. Jan's right that they send away your final edit and they get they come back and say, "Oh, this is an 18. and the studio goes, "Can't put that out then." We need this to be a twelve or a PG thirteen. We need this to be that. It's very rare that you'll get commercial films, Hollywood films, that aren't dictated what their age rating is going to be. Like superhero movies, there's twelve uh, maximum, um, PG thirteen. They're never going to go R unless you were Deadpool, but that was the whole thing. And there was the uh, Seth Rogen uh, animation um, with the sausage sausage party. Oh yeah, that one was uh, <laughs> R. Or, like that was pretty intense. Um, vulgar language, also. I've prepared quite a vulgar comment. I'm pretty happy about. All right. Uh, it's disgusting, but anyway. Um, so the movie they start to discuss about the origin of the word apricot mm-hmm. and the etymology in, of apricot. And in the end. They we are wondering about the peach and the destination of the cum. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, but did, that etymology scene was before the peach eating yeah. scene. Well, well before that was at the start. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So when you, um, I mean, obviously they they decided to use peach because it's a lot more messy and also there's a lot bigger. more there's a lot more juice in it too. So they wanted that whole. <laughs> like juice here's the thing people that haven't seen this movie are gonna refer to this movie as oh it's that april it's that peach movie right like that's a lot of people do that if they haven't seen a film they just refer to one scene for uh i don't know casablanca you refer to the here's looking at you kid scene or you know which is funny because in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter. No, the peach no. scene. If someone said to me, like, "Oh yeah, peaches," I'd be like, "Well, you obviously haven't seen the scene, the film, because the pe- peach has got nothing to do with anything." I think it just adds to the fact that this boy is learning and is curious and is kind of and also probably bored. <laughs> I'll be honest. I've never looked at a piece of fruit and gone, "Yeah, I want to fuck that." I could have sex with that. <laughs> I I really regret not uh, having a camera to film. Uh, yesterday, oh, when, when, Luke, yeah. when when the peach uh, scene came, <laughs> I was kind of freaking out because when Oliver came in, I was like immediately just knew, oh my god, he's going to eat that, isn't he? But I I honestly thought that it was going to be like a full on eating scene where you know he what? would eat the whole peach, but actually, Elio broke down beforehand. So, do you think if he ate the peach? That would change the rating of the film. It could be because, because it's that, in like yeah, instruct yeah, detail like over people would say that was a not grotesque. That's the wrong word. Gratuitous, maybe. Yeah, no, it was it was a good idea that it stopped there because it it, it then would have been like okay, well, well, why? Because it doesn't need to be anymore. No, the, the point is made, and it was nice because I think that's what you do sometimes when you're building up to something and you're like falling in love and have all these like crazy desires, but then also like embarrassed mm. you do break down and cry because yeah, yeah, you're just like mm. and that yeah. would be embarrassing you know someone that's older than you more experienced than you and and all this stuff someone you're in love with this, as well has seen what you've just done it's yeah, someone older than you so that's a perfect segue to another department of filmmaking casting <clears throat> so yes. oliver was supposed to be 25 he looked like he was in his 30s to me and 34 late late 30s yeah which i thought was interesting because in hollywood and i know this isn't like a big budget hollywood film but in quite a lot of films 
age is skewed completely because you have all of those high school films where the actors are definitely not in high school. Well, think about Neil from the Inbetweeners. Like, he's six foot or something. <laughs> he looks about... He looks at, yeah, I think he's about 30. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So age has always been screwed... Uh, skewed, sorry. But if... Uh, and screwed. But if you're dealing with something where the age is... Re- is well, it wasn't really important because it didn't really shove it in your face, but the fact that everyone's talking about it and saying like, oh, it's like, you know, age difference in like a love gay uh, couple thing. Why would you make, why would you cast him as someone who was supposed to be 24? That's what I didn't understand that like, why would they have decided he's 31 to make him, but also he looks like he's 31. Do you know what I mean? So there's, there's an issue because there's loads of 31 year olds that might be able to, you know, be 24, but that's what I, fi- I found a bit weird because please don't tell me that this is a 17-year-old and a 24-year-old man because it's not. <laughs> it's just... Do it- they ever mention his age in the film? I don't think they, do. Think they do. In the actual film, no, they don't. So we're left with this. Yeah. I think I think it's the fact of... Well, Anouk, you're 25, right? Yeah. I wouldn't say you look 25. I'm 22. No. I don't look 22. Jan, you're what, 38? Yeah. You don't look 38. No. Jan looks at end of his 20s. Yeah. For sure. Like Jan, Jan's casting bracket is about 25 to 30 odd, you know? Yeah, that's... You You couldn't play your age. I couldn't... I play. I could probably play 22, but I'm, oh, I'm yeah. still in the teen... I'm still end of teens, early 20s. I can't do any older than that. I might just be able to do my age, but I'd be a very young looking 25 year old. The thing... I think the point is, is like, what does a 24 year old look like? Can you look at somebody and go, you're 24? I think that's what, fi- and films really do struggle with that because if you look, if you got a 24 year old that looks too young, people will be like, oh, it's fine because they don't, their age is deliberately not mentioned. In, well, they might not be deliberately and it might even be mentioned. So do you think that was a, d- a deliberate thing to make him look older than 24? He has to look older than the actor playing Elio, if that's my opinion. I, f- the film doesn't, I don't think the film would work if they looked the similar age because you would just think they are the same age, you know? But no, because what you could do is you could change, you could adapt the script and basically make him seem older by the his intelligence mm. or you, you do exposition oh i got this for my 24th birthday yeah yeah, yeah of course but i don't like exposition but even then if yeah. someone's 24 it doesn't matter it's about how you act so yeah, the fact that so the fact that he definitely acts older you helps, know, yeah um because he's he's taller he's broader his his face is much older um and he is really clever like he talks about philosophy and he's working with his father and elio's father even you know so it's like there's so many different things that he just seemed like he was you know late 30s did it bother you i mean it but when so when when jan said he's supposed to be 24 it bothered me uh because he did he wasn't 24 but then again now that we're talking about it maybe i overreacted (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's not because there is this Lolita one uh, written by Vladimir Nabokov like yeah. I think she's 13 and the guy is 40 something yeah yeah so it's, uh, and that, but that's like total pedophilia yeah 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 because he has fantasies about her being young and her, her friends and he kind of totally manipulates her or even in a commercial her, sense um, Jodie Foster and Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver yeah, I mean that's that's her whole thing that like she's virgin and she's she looks really young, you know. Isn't she meant to be thirteen in the film? Yeah, she's she, like yeah. super young in the film. Super young. Um. So yeah, 
I, I don't know. That's one thing, though, that I, I totally for, didn't realize until you just said it, Jan, that um, Elio is underage, yeah. isn't legal. And that's maybe why Oliver freaks out after they have sex. Because I didn't understand why he was kind of so shady and, and weird about it, but maybe that's why. Well, there is also this, this thing. I think uh, in France, it's uh, 15. We've got like the sexual majority. Okay. So, so yeah, it's 18, you're legal, but 15, um, it's okay if the parents consent. So it's quite weird. Yeah, you, you won't, you won't, it's still, so there are two different categories. So there's um, uh, abuse of a minor and abuse of a minor under 15. So it's and minor under fifteen. You're just like you're done. Like your yeah. your life is just uh, close the door on your way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think in France that's where the age is the fifteen, uh, like the the lowest. But I mean, yeah. they, they, I mean, you, you know that uh, those um, Arab, some Arab countries when they they are married at fourteen or twelve or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are still some countries that you know you've got to consummate the marriage. You know. Some yeah. some cultures won't believe that you, it's not a marriage until that happens. Yeah, I think sometimes you have to see the the blood on the sheets afterwards. Oh, jeez! In the in the gems place, there is a moment that the, the the whole court and everyone, all the warriors, they go into the the actual bedroom to to check that every everything is. <laughs> And it's yes. uh, it's so funny because the king is not really into girls, or if I remember correctly, or whatever. But it's very, yeah, very nice. Or <laughs> or going back to Braveheart, where they bring in that law of yeah, prima nocte. Yeah, prima nocte. Mm -mm. I mean, that's prima nocte in my country anymore. Eh? It's really, 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 really. Away from my wife, Ken. Really fucked up. Um, in terms of Oscars, well, I know you haven't seen a Darkest Hour yet, but I would have voted for um, for Timothy Chalamet over um, Gary Oldman any time. I have heard that Darkest Hour is uh, quite boring, but I, I also think that because it's Churchill and because it's World War Two and because it's you know, like British heritage and all this stuff. I think that's why he kind of had to win. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, lo loads of politics and you have to lobby to get into there. Before you had to be very, very good friends with Harvey. And now it's <laughs> it's uh, changed a bit, Yeah, uh, whoever the next Harvey is. Um, I think the kid is too young. You know how, as horrible as it yeah, sounds, the, yeah. award, oh, the award system, A, it doesn't really mean anything. It's no. just, it's just, it is nice to be recognized by your peers. But again, at the end of the day, an award is an award. It's, um, I, I think it, I, th I think we, I think me and Jan were just about to say the same thing. I think it does open doors for you that I, I think that people on the floor, sadly, like us are, don't see. Right. And so I think that's why it's, it's, it's something that you push for because it, it basically allows you to do anything you kind of want. I think somebody, I'll have to find the quote, but there's a there's an interview where somebody says when you I think maybe Jack Nicholson actually uh, says to somebody it's like if you, when you win that award you're hot for that year until the next person comes and wins and then it's their year you know you're hot mm. for that year as opposed to yeah you're yeah. nominated that will stay around there's all the lobbying if you're if the studio is not lobbying is not pushing forward the movie um, Timothy Chalamet is 22 22 and I don't know when. Um, Jennifer Lawrence got her first one, but I think she was pretty young. And there, the um, Matilda, the musical, uh, four girls. There were ten. They got an Olivier like a few years back. Wow! So you know, uh, amazing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't remember what what the youngest uh, Oscar winner is, but I heard mixed reviews about Matilda. So that's all I wanted to okay, say. Okay, okay. Um, 
yeah, the you know about the um, unusual uh, closing credits we talked about earlier. Oh, so I I timed them yesterday, so it was three minutes. Tansom O'Neill is the youngest. Who? Tansom O'Neill, eleven for Paper Moon, nineteen seventy-three. Best actress in a supporting role. Paper uh, Moon. Paper Moon is for the Oscars, and I'll look up for the love. Okay, so these those closing tri- credits, three minutes, and if I were to meet Timothée Chalamet, I would tell him it's a shame he didn't get the Oscar, and I would ask him what his internal monologue was for the very last scene. Oh, I've, I was literally say, thinking that when he was there, just thinking what was his thought process, because he definitely did have changes in his emotion, there were moments where he was kind of smiling. There were moments where he was completely broken down. There were moments where he was just staring into space. And then there was tears. Like it was, it wasn't just looking into the fire. It was like six different emotions, like one after the other. Because genius. Yeah, it was. It's, it's not easy to do as well. Like be, especially as we have done a few uh, short films, having a camera in front of you totally changes everything like it makes you more nervous it makes you more i, I don't know it's, it's just like you, you, there's no way that you can't see the camera in front of you yeah. so the fact that he was able to do that and totally go into like internally is i mean and the fact it could even be a mirror as well yeah that's very true because it's a fight if he, if he is if he is genuinely in front of that fireplace then it's probably a mirror with the camera shooting the mirror to get that shot. Yeah. Because I know for a fact in Lord of the Rings, to get horses near fire, they used mirrors so it looks like the horse is in the room, but actually the fire is like down a hallway the other way. So you use reflection to get Genius. it. So yeah. it may very well be that he's looking at a mirror of himself and a fireplace, you know. We don't know how, how they got the shot, but... It's interesting. Yeah. It's single-handedly the best end credit scene I've ever seen in history. I've Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's loads of... Um, I know that the, I mean, we were talking about this earlier. We can't find the name of it, but there's a, a Japanese film that does this. Um, but I think there's no music. It's just silent, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think it's much longer <laughs> and you don't mm. have credit. So it's just, you're, you literally just have to watch her crying. Mm. We're going to need to find out what this film is, but. There is no music afterwards. So the, the rest no, just, of the actual credits. Yeah. That's true. Without music. Yeah, yeah. silence. Uh, um, oh, it's got the the sound of the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. for yeah. the fire. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. It's nice. Indeed. Did you guys get any flashbacks to Victoria watching these two movies? I did. Oh no, I didn't. In the sense of it, you know how the first like sixty minutes of Victoria, nothing happens. It's her just hanging out with those the guys. I I got the same feeling again, and it made me. I don't know. It made me kind of wish this film was European more than just um you know use of english in a way i don't know why i've never really had that thought in my life like i wish this was more you know european you wanted less english i didn't i wouldn't say i wanted less i just it felt like it was gonna be you know mostly italian or french but i don't know but i just i definitely had um moments of going yeah i remember victoria uh, watching this i really want to see that film again um victoria yeah yeah it was mm. it was so good but actually uh i did look it up timothy chalamet is fluent in French. Yes, yes. So, I mean, that was probably pretty easy for him to... I was wondering because obviously he has to speak... He's a, he's American completely, but his... So I was wondering if he had to, like, only learn the lines in French, which I'm sure they've done in the past. Like, someone's just come in and they kind of know sort of what the language is, but... Get that he's kit, coaching, all that. Yeah, his, yeah. His father is French. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's completely... But he's already fluent in French, so that was... Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, it was in um, Interstellar, small mm. thingy. Okay. Uh, on on IMDb, I never noticed there is a filming dates uh, segment. So it was filmed between the 11th of May 2016 and the 20th of June. So just over a month filming. Four weeks. And uh, when you, all those locations... Uh, Only? Uh, every... So, Sting Beauty was in Tuscany, uh, yeah. and then um, all of those is in uh, Lombardy. Mm. Mm. That must have been a crazy month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, there is the, um, I don't remember, is it, we said Marzia, or the, 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 the girl who's... Uh, His girlfriend? Uh, well, Marzia, yes. Yeah. She says something at some point, the quote, uh, Je pense que les gens qui lisent sont un peu cachotiers. Uh, Please translate for us, Jan. Yes, yes. Uh, people who read books, they are secretive. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, for the longest time, I was indeed in my books uh, close from the outside. And I actually genuinely started to open and interact when I turned 30. And thinking about it, I don't read as much books as I used to. Uh, for some reason, there's a kind of thing in our family. Uh, I was kind of born to be a single um, child. Because uh, or to be a bachelor, only uh, child, yeah, only not, child, not bachelor, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because there was this thing on the pictures. You see me. I was for some reason um, I don't remember. It was from birth to three. I was like completely open. I would go and dance with the <laughs> the accordion people in the streets, like the street performers and everything. And then my brother arrived, and you can see on the pictures. Uh, you can see me like I'm holding him, and I like cry. <laughs> And it took, um, well, then 27 years to actually open again to the outside, outside how did that world. Work? How did that affect you in the Navy then? Well, I was just doing my thing. Uh, I ordered <laughs> loads of uh, magic stuff at the time, ah. um, especially when I was in Tahiti. Uh, I, I don't know. What I know is I was just, uh, well, you, you have to be kind of social as much as you can. Uh, but, um, yeah, and I think also Student Beauty affected me when I was 17 and got me a very, you know, so you've got two, uh, two things. So you got either the nice guys or the assholes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's notorious that the nice guys don't score as much as the assholes. And, um, Stealing Beauty made me the kind of nice guy who was like putting women on pedestals. Mm. So, yeah, I wasn't, uh, when I tried or was interested or whatever, it didn't really work. So I just ignored the whole thing, mm. would avoid eye contact or any of that kind of stuff until I was 30. And I said, yeah, okay, well, I'll probably tr uh, need to change my ways and start to investigate what's happening in the world. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with nice guys lack confidence. I think that's the major reason. I, th I think also there's a, um, I'm sure it's like a psychological uh, thing as well that, Nice guy, nice people are nice because they understand what suffering feels like and they don't want anyone else to feel that way. Mm. Yeah. So they empathize with other people, which makes it a nice guy probably uh, goes through hell more than anyone else. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I was rejected once and uh, didn't feel like early on and didn't feel good. and I didn't want it to happen again. So, mm. yeah, for 20 years Just, it was, yeah. Mm. I, I can relate. Uh, funnily enough, uh, my mom is a psychoanalyst. Um, so she psychoanalyzes me all the time. 
<laughs> and um, but that's funny, Christmas. Uh, yeah. Um, Pass the potatoes. Ah, what you're actually. What do you mean? What do you mean? Potatoes? Do you want to be a man? Yes, mm-hmm. mother. Um, no, no, no. Are the potatoes no. alive or something? <laughs> what are you hiding? Um, and I mean, well, we even had uh, a thing like whenever I was ill, it was like, what, what, what made you ill? It's like okay. The the um, the nachos that I left in the oven for three days. <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> midi-chlorians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but she says that um, when I was five, my sister was born and I immediately changed as a person. And so I can totally relate to that. And my mom still talks about it as a trauma to me, that it was a traumatic episode that I went through that my sister was born. <laughs> and then a lot of like resentment and anger then ensued <laughs> over the years between you two sisters or uh because... me and Nini were very were always very very close but i like bottled up resentment and anger towards like other people and myself uh, yeah type I, thing so. i wasn't i wasn't even close to my brother and sister i was just like in my my own like yeah, yeah. i'm still uh, i'm still an only child <laughs> kind of thing yeah but i would yeah no i mean in terms of what was happening in my brain because at some point uh, ten years ago, my brother, um, it was not a legal age to drive yet. And he, we went to do some driving in the car and it was him uh, driving. And we had like, there was a bump and uh, there was a bit of a jump. So the part of the car was uh, damaged. And I pretended it was me uh, who was driving. And uh, so, but it was like, I saved his ass because I also was allowed way more things. Mm-hmm. But it would, uh, he was always doing... Uh, uh, bitties like um, shitty stuff like uh, uh, the the kind of stuff you do when you're a kid you're testing your parents so you're you're doing this what not, not supposed to be doing <laughs> my brother was doing that a lot so he was getting a lot of flack i wasn't i was not like this so i was allowed more um, leeway so mm-hmm. i used that um, bonus leeway i had from the past to you know it, it was me driving you know? <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah, families are really complicated and actually you don't really think about it that like certain things that can be traumatic to someone could be the most amazing thing of someone else's life. Mm. And um, I think that was kind of the nice thing about these two films. Let's link up what we're talking about to the films um, because it, it, there was a lot of family. Like you're watching someone else's life and that's probably why they're so long and uh, I don't want to say boring, but... Mm kind of long <laughs> I, I just remembered i had trauma um i won't say what it is um on the podcast but something happened in uh, my my family life at a very young age and i was about two when it happened and i just it stunted my um speech i just wouldn't i didn't talk for ages um and i remember learning this by going getting a checkup in like the end of primary school and they're going do you still go to speech therapy i'm like what Mm-hmm. When did I go to speech therapy? And I went home and was like, Mom, when did I go to speech therapy? She's like, you don't remember any of that? I'm like, no, I don't. So something happened that just shut me down. It just like, I didn't speak. That's very interesting. Um, hmm. But I don't have that issue now. If it's more funny, I'm like, I'm an actor. You're a talker as well. The other funny story is um, my French teacher. <laughs> this is good. We'll talk about this because one of the movies Jan wants to do for a French month is one of the movies that we used to get stuck on at like the end of the year. The chorist? Like, the chorist? Yeah, they, they'd stick it on at the end and go like, oh, just watch this. It's the last day of term sort of thing. <laughs> Vois sur ton chemin. <laughs> um, <laughs> she was like, the reason you won't be good at French is because you're not great at learning the learning lines. And I went, all right, screw this. I'll be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then I'm like, well, nice. I could probably learn French now. 
Mm. You're quite good at learning lines too. So I need to. I need to learn. I've realised I need to learn three languages. I need to learn French for Jan. I need to learn German for when we go and visit your mum. And I need to learn Urdu for when we visit your dad. <laughs> I'm not luck. looking forward to the third one because it's a totally, totally different route. Yeah. Yeah. Alphabet and stuff. Yeah. yeah. God. Yeah. Um, I have a theory about this film. You talked earlier about how uh, they are both. Uh, when are they supposed to be set? Both um, Stealing Beauty uh, around the same era. I would say. I would say Stealing Beauty is like is it, maybe is it meant to be the time it comes out? It's meant to be like a late late nineties, eighties. No, well, late nineties, ninety six. Um, and then this film is in the eighties, the end of the eighties. Yeah. Okay. Um, because they are also in Stealing Beauty, and they are mocked heavily. Uh, the so there's the couple, the um, the two gay characters. The one is played by Joseph Fiennes. And it's, it's talked about, you know, we, they have been naughty and stuff. It's like not really talked about. And there is also uh, a couple. But yeah. it's way, that's, <laughs> the, that's the reverse. It's openly talked about. Yeah, this, they like... call me by your name. So my theory is, uh, because I've, I think I've read that the film is also based on the director's struggles as a young, as a young gay guy. Mm. So I feel like um, Luca um, Guadagnino took the two gay characters from Bernardo Bertolucci's Stealing Beauty and developed their story in a single entity with lots of straight lovemaking, some gay lovemaking and a peach. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, see, I see that. Um, especially because Elio kind of makes fun of the, the yeah. gay couple. Sunny and Cher. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that line. That's great. <laughs> oh, dear. But it's also, um, when I checked on uh, Wikipedia, it's an art house kind of film. Mm. Both. Yeah. Um, really poetic also. It's like, yeah. It's, uh, y you have to be in the mood. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. You can't just say, oh, this got nominated for an Oscar. I'm going to watch it. You need to know a bit about it. Know what you're getting into. Not for any of the theme matters. I think that's if you've got issues with that, that's a whole different kettle of fish. You know. Like. Um, do you feel you have anything else to add? Because I have an explanation as to why it says uh, "in loving memory of Bill Paxton" at the end. Okay. Um, yeah, well, there was one thing I was going to mention. Um, it's to do with the pacing. I f honestly feel right that the pacing totally works as much as yesterday. Me and me were like, oh come on, get on, get on with it. It just you couldn't make it any other way, and it doesn't. In, re in retrospect, it doesn't feel that long. No, not at all. It's like life. Yeah, that's much. exactly so, uh, right. If you were in those shoes, just like I was with Lucy, I was with her. Or either I was with gradually falling in love with her or in her shoes or whatever, but it didn't feel that long at all. And here, uh, it was just fine. Also, both films, I feel, have a complete conclusion. I don't want any more from their worlds. I'm happy just seeing this, seeing through this window and then that's it shut. Yeah, it was actually quite somehow therapeutic that Oliver left and didn't come back, and they didn't get ma you know have a long life together. Yeah, that's the that's mm. the other thing I was getting around to. Is it? The ending, that, the ending of this film, that's is, life. Is yes. it could only end that way. If yeah. it ended any other way, it's unbelievable. No, exactly. Like, there's no way he's going to come back, or they'll get together, or like get flashes forward to them in the future, and like they see each other on a street and that sort of bollocks. And, like, no. Mm -mm. Like it gets revealed that not even a year later, the same year, he's getting married, and it's that's it. And facts of that, we get the most beautiful, creative ending I've ever seen in a film. Oh yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a French film like that, Le Parapluie de Cherbourg. Yeah, which ends so sad. It like is heart wrenchingly sad, but you wouldn't want it any other way. 
and you don't know why mm. because you should why would you want to put yourself through this <laughs> but you wouldn't want them together in the end you know like it, it it's okay that then that, that it ends sadly there's something i forgot to mention in a three billboards outside of ebbing missouri which is about um definitive endings People hate ambiguous endings, don't they? I mean, I, I, I know that my dad will watch three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri and kind of be annoyed that he, you don't know. It's not that he doesn't like it. I just think there's a, some people find like a therapeutic, in therapeutic is a very good word, like a therapeutic feel to like, I know how it ends. But that makes, the ending of that makes total sense with the whole, we talked about the, the relationship and the journey of the people. It has to end that way. It's the same with this film. Um, an ambiguous ending would, wouldn't work for this one. Like, say it ended after the scene where his dad says, like, just enjoy it. Enjoy the, the pain of grief. No, it, yeah, you need you need him. Know. You need him to try and do that, which is what he's trying to do in the final scene, like, find the pleasure and the grief he's feeling at that moment. Yeah. I uh, also just realised there is kind of a parallel between the closeted gay and closeted Jewish in there. Mm. Yeah, the, the Jewish thing was quite strange. Um, we are, what, what was the... Um, they were both used to being like the only the, Jewish people in like the village sort of thing. The odd Jewish the odd out, Jew, yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. But the mum used a, a, a phrase that... I don't remember. Um, Elio was like, oh, I used to have a, a Star of David that I used to wear, but my mum wanted, uh, said that we were more of a closet Jew family. Or so, She used a phrase. Mm. And um, that's quite interesting because obviously you should celebrate who you are, but then it's also like you don't need to celebrate it sometimes sometimes it's just something that you are and then the film celebrates at the end because it's not christmas it's hanukkah yeah that's very true yeah mm. yeah um so there is a guy in there who plays uh isaac peter spears also a producer who sent a tweet many of you have asked about bill paxton's connection to call me by your name please see my response below thank you a quick note to answer questions about how Bill Paxton is associated with Call Me By Your Name and why the film is dedicated to him. My husband, Brian Swardstrom, was Bill's best friend and agent for almost his entire career. Brian is also the agent of Timothy Chalamet, as well as uh, Tilda Swinton, which is how we all met Luca years ago. Brian and Bill came to visit us on the set while we were shooting in Crema, Italy, on the way to Cannes, where Bill had a movie premiere. The photo I posted a while back is from that visit. Bill and Luca became friends, as they had been great admirers of each other's work for many years, and Luca chose to honor his memory by dedicating the movie to him. A very moving gesture for which Brian and I will be forever grateful. Thank you all for asking. Peter Spears. Oh. I was shocked when it came up. I was like, what? From Aliens? Game over, man. Game over. Yep. Game over, man. Game over. It was last year. Yeah. I forgot Bill Paxton was gone. Yeah. He was so young. 61. That is young. That's very that young. Yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. today's standard. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, Brian Cranston's dad died at 18, uh, at 90. Yeah, man. I was like, 18? No, no. <laughs> like, what? No, 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 no. Jeff Goldblum is like old. Yeah, apparently you can, uh, just checking internet randomly there, you can buy the um, Call Me By Your Name house, the Pearlman family home, yeah, $2.7 million. <laughs> it's a lovely house. Speaking of house, we have the floor plan. Yes. 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 Uh, I was watching it yesterday, I was trying to identify looking at both the screen and the... Yeah. 
<laughs> I think uh, we're good. We're good. We roll, uh, rating. Roll, roll into the rating. So, mm. Anik Yan was Call Me By Your Name. Good, bad, or just plain standard? Anik? It was great. <laughs> it was very good. Definitely high good. Um, middle high good. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give it, I want to give it super high props because I just love that ending so much. But it, for me, it's a, it's a very high good. It's, it's up there with obviously three billboards and very high category. Mm. One day we'll, we'll get a, we'll get a, like a tier system. We'll like have it online of like where they are so that everyone's kind of aware. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Maybe I'll make, maybe we'll make a, a, a blog thing for that. Like it's like, oh, here's the, here's the, here's the chart. Here's the good, bad, just plain standard chart. And we update it every time we do an episode. <laughs> Or I mean, release an episode, even. I mean, it's not like Stealing Beauty. If we ever do an episode, this one is. Um, I was thinking it's not even in a legendary category. It's a new one. Uh, it was so influential. So I was, I was wondering about the, maybe the masterpiece one we talked about, or I don't know. But mm. uh, and also, obviously, Bernardo Bertolucci. He did the Last Emperor. Oh, of course. Ah, yeah, lovely. yeah. Why don't we come up with a category? Each of us have a vault. You can stick a certain. You can stick films in your vault. That'll come in useful later, actually. That'll come in very useful later, down the line. But yeah, yeah that would mm-hmm. be in your vault. Yep. Mm-hmm. So then, I think that's that. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was another episode in the Oscars uh, season series. So thank you very much for listening. I'm interested to see what we think about this movie when we get to the discussion episode after we've seen them all. Because I reckon this one's going to stay with us. Like, the more you think about it, the more it grows and you, you care oh, for the, it more. Definitely. This is, this is a film that stays with you. So if you're if you're in the mood for having something, as a conversational piece even, I would recommend this movie to watch. And to be fair, both of the Oscar ones are very good so far. There's yeah. not been one I've been like, this is this doesn't need to be here. No, very exciting. <laughs> I'm uh, yeah excited to see if we can have a special guest on the Shape of Water one. Um, a bestiality expert. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a weird premise, like a woman having sex with a fish. Well, a, a, a mm. fish monster. But, yeah. Uh, a merman. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway. So um, thank you again uh, very much for listening. Uh, yeah. We were, Once again, uh, we are on Spotify now. And um, we were... Adam. Anouk. And Jan. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.